you were the worst at that. You would always ask me how the center was while you were like sunbathing in the south of France. I literally just wanted to like send you a photo of me with two fingers up being like, go and relax on your flipping French beach at 32 degrees, Aisha. Please let me just handle the heat, but not the same heat as you. Obviously. Hey guys, welcome to season two of Wing It. You're going to be joining myself, Yvonne, and my best mate, Aisha, on for another journey of highs and lows of our 20s. Now we are definitely midway through. We're on the road to 30 now. So be ready for some different topics, different guests, and yeah, taking you into 2021 with some new fresh content. And can't wait for you to join us along for the ride. Keep winging it. Woo! everyone welcome back to a, another week and another episode of wing it thank you so much to everyone who listened to last week's episode if you didn't i would definitely 100 recommend go back and listen to it because it was such a fun one to record and it was a huge celebratory one it was such a good highlight one so in that episode we covered all of our favorite moments and it was it's kind of this episode is kind of a really nice one to start with because as you guys all know, if you have been with us since the beginning, or if you did listen to last week's episode, me and Yvonne started this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic. But it pretty much feels like we've come full circle and we are once again reverting back to the good old days, the good old episodes of student life, graduate life, work life, career life. We did so many of these episodes in season one where me and Yvonne were trying to navigate the unemployed life, the unemployed COVID life, and just generally kind of the ups and downs of everything as as a young person in the working world. And this episode, we've been talking about this episode for quite a while, Yvonne, because it's something that is really, really important to talk about. Not enough people do. And it results in a lot of young people, a lot of people who are beginning their first role in a certain industry, it could be any industry, but it results in them not being treated like they should purely because of maybe their age or their lack of experience. And you may be thinking, oh, well, that's weird. How could that ever happen in a fair world? Believe you me, this happens and it happens in ways that you would never expect. And it's happened to both me and Yvonne. So we are going to be delving deep into not our own experiences, but just generally what we've learned in dealing with really tricky work situations really awkward things that you kind of never really want to do, like asking for a raise, how to get a promotion, what to do in certain situations where you feel like, you know what, this job isn't for me. And these are really, really tough conversations to have. So although it is tough, obviously that's what we do on Wing It, we have these conversations and we go into the downs as well as the ups of career and work life for a young person. So Yvonne, do you want to start us off? First of all, um, hi, how are you? <laughs> hi, I'm I'm just sitting here listening to your wonderful intro. I was oh, really enjoying so that. Really good oh. summary of what's to come. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, you're right. We have come full circle. But also, at the moment, everyone around me is really speaking about this at the moment, whether it's 
people might have taken a job mid-pandemic very quickly because time was of the essence, money was of the essence. They, they didn't want to be stuck in a situation where they were going to have a long term of unemployment. So I've been receiving quite a few, you know, I've signed up to so many job sites over the years. Obviously, we all know last year I, I spent 10 months unemployed. So mm-hmm. I still have notifications coming into my inbox. And quite a few of them have been surrounding how to leave your current role, particularly if you did take it up during the pandemic. Now, I can definitely say as a recruiter, I am seeing the job market pick up very, very nicely. So uh, not only people around me as people applying for roles, they are saying jobs are there, opportunities are there. People are giving me great news from all sides of my life, all, all friendship circles that they mm-hmm. the opportunities are coming, which is great. But also, as I am advertising for my current company, I'm also seeing people aren't as afraid to put themselves out there in terms of the job market. People are now open and ready to go. So yeah, I feel like this is really, really good timing. It's something that is cropping up everywhere at the moment. I don't know where we wanted to start, but I guess in terms of kind of the first initial stages of knowing, like Aisha said, when maybe it is time to a change, whether that is a change in your circumstances within the company. So if it's going to be a raise, a promotion, a title change, some sort of extra incentive or whether it is time to potentially leave. So I think it's really important to first of all identify those red flags. So cases that I've had in the past where management has been a big, big factor in I think both of our lives in terms of our our first job and jobs that we've had in between where a manager can really make or break a job. So in the case of when we were together, we went through, I think we've spoken about this, we went through quite a few management changes. For the first year, I was kind of settled, I was happy. Then things took a bit of a turn and I thought I, I wanted to leave. So when you don't feel valued, when you feel like potentially you're not getting paid enough, which obviously we'll jump into, but also constant negativity is when somebody else is down, when somebody else is stressed, it kind of rubs off. You spend so much time with your colleagues. And when that negativity, when that rubs off on you, if your manager is stressed, you also feel the stress. So there's a lot of factors involved. But as soon as we had, God bless her, Tasha, come and join us. Everybody who hasn't already listened to episodes, uh, I believe 19 and 20, when Tasha came on and spoke about her life as a young manager, she really changed my perspective on everything. So she really perked me up. She was a fresh pair of eyes. She was a fresh energy. And when you can see light at the end of the tunnel, that's obviously a good sign. When you can see that things are going to improve, there is going to be changes being implemented. I would say one of the red flags is if you cannot see a change, if you cannot see light at the end of the tunnel, that's when there's a problem and something needs to change yeah definitely and it was really funny actually so while you were while you were saying that I was making notes and um I literally wrote management make or break in capital letters literally while you said the line make or break because it is literally so true I mean we've I know we touched on this before but the people you work with your colleagues your manager can literally make or break not only your role but your whole experience within that company, 
your whole experience within a specific industry or company is shaped by the people you work with. You could be working in the most amazing industry in the world. Like when I first started out, I was very, very innocent, very, very unaware of, you know, hard, steely corporate life. And I was actually working in like a pretty, pretty cool industry. Like I was working in a pretty cool place in London. Everything was, you know, peachy. Yeah, like if you looked on the outside, you'd be like, okay, I should do pretty well coming out of uni. But inside, like because of just the general environment and like you said, the negativity, the stress, you can just feel the vibes in the office. It was because of that reason that I really, really struggled. And honestly, so talking about red flags, the minute I walked into that office on my first day in that job, my gut, literally, my, my, my gut is actually pretty strong. I would say my gut feelings are genuinely quite good. My gut was telling me, Aisha, you're not going to be here for very long. What was it? What was the first gut, like, instinct? So I've always, I've always thought of myself as quite a free spirit. I don't like to be tied down to things. And I don't like doing things where I'm not comfortable, unless it's obviously for my progression and my growth, where, you know, I'm a little bit stupidly uncomfortable because I actually should be doing things. I'm just nervous about them. But I don't like doing things where I know I'm not happy. And I walked like I always want I've always wanted to be like a lion tamer or a pilot, you know, or something. So as soon as I walked into like this corporate office and just saw rows of computers and rows of people just all look the same, all dressed the same in this massive London office, just all staring at their screens like robots. I was like, I was going to say robotic. Yeah. And I hate. <laughs> Do you know what? Oh my God. That reminds me. I remember when I was coming into, after I graduated, I said to myself, I never want to work in an office. And I never want to work in London. What happened? My second job was working in an office in London. This is what happens when you study languages and you travel the world. <laughs> you can't do corporate. <laughs> Literally exactly the same. So one massive red flag, honestly, if you walk into somewhere or you meet someone and your gut, your inner, inner feeling is saying something is wrong, as much as you try and brush it off, I promise you, something is probably wrong. And you can't put your finger in it at that time. Because obviously you're young, you want to impress people. You don't really know what the hell is going on. I mean, let's face it, you're a 21-year-old graduate and you're surrounded by all these you know, experienced people in their field. So you're not going to say anything that's going to kind of put anyone off or anything like that. From day dot, I knew that this wasn't... Number one, this wasn't my forever job. I knew that anyway. And number two... I'm surprised I stayed there for as long as I did just because of those general vibes, that stress, that negativity. And also, if your gut is telling you that something's wrong and then someone else is feeling that same feeling, chances are that there are other people in the team feeling that feeling. And those feelings will come out as you get to know people in your team. And Vons, I know you've been through this as well, where you get a feeling and then a few weeks later you realise, oh, they also think the same thing about that person. And oh, they also think the same as me. And then you just realise that the whole team is about to leave. <laughs> Mate, you, you know, I, my favourite moment in a, in a relationship with a colleague is when you, if I, if I can give the example of me and somebody at my, at my previous company, 
we didn't really we we thought we were pleasant enough like we talked and stuff but it was that moment that we shared a slight bit of maybe I'm unhappy all of the walls came down everything goes everything (laughs) is laid on the table and it's like oh okay like you said that is that's also why wing it is it exists to let people know you are not the only ones thinking it you are not alone in your thoughts and that's why I feel this is such an important subject not just for obviously graduates for people leaving school you know people even younger than us having their first job at the age of 18 19 it's such a scary scary world we've said this multiple times you do not get prepared. You are not taught the skills to deal with the workplace. It can be a really, really toxic environment, like I should described. I also remember on my first day in my London job, walking in, it was just cliques everywhere. It was like oh God, yeah. a flashback to like High School Musical with the flipping, the jocks and the the nerds. You know what I mean? Like it was just everybody, the popular crew. Stick to the status quo. Whoa. <laughs> Exactly. And that from the very, again, from the very first day, it was, you know, I'm the type of person that I'm definitely not going to mold to somebody or to something. So I'm not going to mold to your like lunchtime conversations. I'm not going to mold to joining in your crew. I'd rather sit alone and not have any friends and just call somebody on my lunch or listen to a podcast instead of molding to you. Mm. We're not we're not in the playground. We've experienced this so many times in the past uh, at school, primary school. I'm not going to also do it when I'm 25. I'm trying to pay a mortgage. I really don't care if I'm part of your flipping vegan crew. Do you not think that's a lot easier to say now that you're a little bit older in your 20s? Because as a 21 year old, it's like being back at uni, isn't it? You want to fit in, you want to have friends, especially in London with the whole social life crew going on. Like everyone is, everyone, I mean, anyone, everyone in my company anyway, they were quite happy to go out every night. Obviously they would invite me along even though I didn't drink, but it was like, really? Every night? Like I honestly felt like I was back at uni because I came in with a cohort of graduates as well who had just come out from uni. So everyone was still in their mindset, including me. Like I wanted to have fun. I wanted to make friends. And with the industry that I went into, it was a lot of young people. And it, like I said, it was quite a fun industry. You know, it was media. And we were, we were in central London. We were surrounded by bars and clubs. I mean, that's what they wanted to do every night. But I think as you get older, you realise who you have time for and who you don't. Like, you walk into a company and you don't get along with someone. I think I've gotten a little bit more comfortable now with saying, well, saying to myself, it's okay that they don't like me and I don't like them because at the end of the day, I'm not here to please them. I'm here to do my job. I'm here to get paid. Exactly. Well, okay, fair enough. We obviously were in different situations. That was your first job. So potentially you go in as an innocent 21 year old. If you would have done it as your second job like me. So our company together was my first company. So for me, I'd already made that sound group of friends. I had that support system. Again, I wasn't there to, you know, make friends. I'd already, first of all, I'd already got my friends. And second of all, I'd already built up some resilience that I wouldn't have already got if I hadn't already experienced that. So I kind of Mm. went into my second job a little bit ballsy, probably too ballsy, to be honest. And I've kind of like carried that through a little bit where... No, it's good to be ballsy, mate. (laughs) You got it. You got it because you You can't be taken advantage of. But at our first job, I built up so much resilience in terms of, you know, we had to deal with 
random people coming at us being like, I'm going to sue you because I'm not paying my direct debit of £124 a month. Do not talk to me like this. Like we had so many like ratty, like customer service. Also from management, like we didn't have the easiest time with uh, like regional managers, for example, breathing down our neck. But in terms of being resilient, building up that resilience, you're not going to have it straight out of school, straight out of uni. You're going to have it after being treated like crap a couple of times. You build up. Yeah. One thing I really wanted to pick out on. So something happened at work where... I got told I wasn't being particularly resilient. I basically bit back and I said, look, I'm not not being resilient. There's a difference between standing up for yourself and being resilient. Being resilient is persevering, trying to find solutions to problems. If there's a like a disgruntled employee or a disgruntled customer dealing with that. But when I'm being taken advantage of from like a higher management level, I'm essentially being bullied. I am, I would say I'm a very headstrong person. I'm, I've got my wits about me. Me saying that I can't cope with all of this work is different to not taking crap from somebody. And I kind of said, look, I'm not going to accept that. What are you going to do about it? You're either going to treat me with respect or the worst comes to worst, I'll leave. So I, I kind of got called up and said, you're not particularly being resilient if you 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 fall at the first hurdle. No, I just don't want to take crap from you. There's a difference. And I just really want to hone that in. Like you can be tough and you can be resilient and you can roll with the punches, but there's a different line to when it's being borderline being bullied. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that is so difficult for young people and not because young people are weak or vulnerable, but it's because they go into the workplace not experienced to deal with crap like that. I mean, yes, you get things uh, at uni, you get things at school, but it's different when it's a workplace because you are being managed for the first time. I mean, obviously, very different if you're running your own business, da, 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 da. that's a completely separate cohort of people. But if you are going into, especially if you're going into a huge company, you know, like the company that I went into, apparently it wasn't that big. But for me, it felt huge because suddenly I was surrounded by all of these people who um, I didn't know. It was very different to uni where everyone's actually trying to make friends and have a good time. Like people are just here to do their job and then go home. Also, they had known each other for a really, really long time before I came in. And obviously being the youngest there, it's very, very difficult to just stay quiet and take it. Because at that time, especially especially if you, so I was quite, I mean, I still wouldn't brag about my confidence now, but I don't think I'm as headstrong as you. I don't think I ever will be as headstrong as you. It's just not in my personality. Like I will just sit and take things. Unless it's like really, really bad, then obviously I will say something, but I still won't say it in an aggressive way. That's just, that's just how I am. I always have been. And it's really, really not done me any favors because when you you know that you're being treated badly. You know that you shouldn't be spoken to like that. But number one, you're new, you're young. You feel like you don't have the authority to speak to a manager or a boss like that. And these managers, like they don't have to be that much older than you. A lot of them can only be a few years older. But the point to really remember, which Vaughn has said really, really well, there is a difference between being able to take on the work, being able to take on responsibility, kind of go through all of these, you know, progression milestones where you're taking on more things and being resilient 
there's a difference between that and being treated like absolute crap and taking it. Like there is a huge, huge difference. And unfortunately, I've heard it time and time again from so many people. In, and it's still happening. I mean, we're kind of in the late stages of our... I mean, we're not even in that, that late stages of our 20s now. But it's still happening to so many of my friends where they are being taken advantage of by managers who think they can just pile everything on them because they're young and they won't complain and they're nice and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And either you crack or you leave. And we basically have both been there <laughs> and we're just trying both to get situations. out that, yeah. yeah, that it should not get to that point. And yes, even if you are a little bit underconfident, if say you aren't that headstrong, you feel like you you want to say something but you don't know how to, you can still be liked and stand up for yourself. Because my my issue was always, oh, I don't want them to not like me. Da, da, da. But at the end of the day, you're disrespecting yourself by not standing up for your worth and your value. Like, yes, you may be just out of uni, but that doesn't mean you're dirt under someone's shoe. Like, you've come here to grow and to learn. That is something to respect. Exactly. That you can be resilient and still stand up for yourself. That is definitely the point. That is resilience, to be fair. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> true. And one of the things that like I really wanted to bring up in terms of getting to that point where it is kind of breaking point, like you said, you either put up with stuff and you you know you sometimes you do suffer through it or you crack and you end up leaving. Mm-hmm. If you're at that crack and crumble stage, for me, the signs were very it was very obvious to me what the signs were because they were physical. So at the age of 22, I've spoken about my bowels in like a jest way before, but I definitely suffered from some sort of IBS back in the day when I was going through this issue. I had really bad stomach for God knows six months to a year, which was not normal. And it's not like it was, you know, if you've been diagnosed with something, usually unless you control it or you you help it in some way, it's usually a stress trigger. So the fact that I don't suffer from it now indicates to me it was some sort of stress trigger. So I had some sort of form of IBS where I, you know, I had really bad struggles with my stomach, my bowels. I also had chest pains at the age of 22. The big signs for me is your stomach Your stomach is a big indicator. Sometimes you have a dodgy stomach. If you're nervous or, you know, stress is a big sign. I would also say chest. So I had the chest pains and Aisha had breathing problems. Listen to your body. Those were the two signs for us that something wasn't quite right. Also, at times, Aisha, if you don't mind me saying, you came in pale as a ghost, paler than me at times. And I know we've mentioned this before, where there's a clear sign on your body that something isn't quite right. And also like your head and your face, again, like continuous headaches, I think is a really big sign as well of stress, tension headaches, cluster headaches. And also, again, this is something that has cropped up time and time again, your face says everything, not just I should be in pale. But if people are coming up to you at work saying, are you okay? It's a very sure sign. Obviously, you don't have a mirror in front of your face all day. Just take a look in the mirror when you're at work. What is your face telling you? Your body in many situations gives you a good indicator of how you're feeling without actually knowing it. And although every time me or Aisha are stressed, we can see the other person is stressed, but you never feel it. So I'd be having chest pains. Aisha would be like, you're stressed. 
I'll always say, I don't feel stressed, Aish. And it's like, no, you don't feel stressed, but your body is telling you, and I can tell you by just looking at your face and the way you're acting. So listen to your bodies, I think, is a really key factor here as well. Yeah, definitely. And don't disregard it as something that's, oh, it, it's fine. I'm fine. Because the thing is, it will build up and it builds up and it builds up. And honestly, I was uh, borderline clinically depressed before I left. I used to go into the toilets just so that I didn't have to sit at my desk. That's how bad it got. And I don't know why I ignored it for so long. I think it was because I was just thought I was being weak. And look, everyone else is handling it. So why can't I handle it? Every environment is not suited for everyone. There is a reason why everyone has different skills, different personalities, different abilities, because we are suited to certain industries. We are suited to different environments. Some people love the fast-paced corporate life. Some people love it. They thrive off it. But personally, for me, I could not remember the last time that I wasn't fighting with someone, whether that was my boyfriend, whether that was my family. I wasn't even seeing my family. I wasn't sleeping. Um, I wasn't eating properly. I lost so much weight, even though all I was eating was absolute garbage. And this is at a variety of jobs, actually. And the breathing problems, they started when I was last year of uni, just for exam reasons, but it steadily got worse because it also was triggered by things like not sleeping properly and not eating properly. And especially in that job once that we were at we were working late hours and sometimes it was past what we were paid for and we had to stay because it was part of the job we knew that if we didn't stay things weren't going to be done the next day and it was also very difficult knowing that if you were sick or if you were ill things would get worse for you so if you weren't there to do that job at a specific time on a specific day you knew that absolute hell was waiting for you the next day not because of anything that you've done but just because you weren't there to physically do it and that I think is a clear if you are scared of your manager if you are scared of coming into work if you are scared of not coming into work clear red flags clear signs that something is wrong you either need to talk to someone talk to HR or seriously start looking for another job. A hundred percent. You've very much summarized like all of the red flags, but also it reminds me of when I got made to feel guilty for taking holiday. Do you remember when I went to Japan? So I just happened to coincide with somebody who handed in their notice. Bearing in mind, I'm traveling halfway across the world. I booked this trip maybe a year before. Somebody handed in their notice Notice period was two months. Somebody handed in their notice, was leaving, coincidentally, I don't know, on the same day that I was going to Japan, knowing that there was going to be only one manager left in the centre because there was always three of us. If I'm in Japan, one is resigning, there's only one left, okay? I got made to feel guilty. This is a key point as well. If you're made to feel guilty, like Aisha said, for being ill or taking your holiday, your well-deserved holiday, yeah, or just feeling like that. Like, not, someone doesn't even need to make you feel guilty. They don't even have to say, what are you doing? Just that inner gut feeling of feeling yeah. guilty is enough. I got made to feel guilty for having booked a holiday a year before I was due to go to Japan. Like, how is that logical sense of maybe Yvonne shouldn't be going to Japan? Uh, no, I've paid God knows how much money to be there. 
is part of what a employee has is annual leave as one of the perks. Back off. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> summarising it better than me, Aisha. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I've made I've been made to feel guilty about being sick, about taking holiday. I remember once I even just applying for holiday stressed me out. Yep. Because I was like looking at the calendar like, oh, but this person's doing this, but this person's doing this. Can I take this? Do you know what I mean? Like it just stressed me out. And it's like a holiday is supposed to be relaxing. Like I'm not supposed to be stressed about taking holiday because then even when you're on holiday, you're stressed out about what's going to be awaiting when you come back or what's happening. Or, oh, should I just quickly check my email? You were the worst at that. You would always ask me how the centre was while you were like sunbathing in the south of France. I literally just wanted to like send you a photo of me with two fingers up being like, go and relax on your flipping French beach at 32 degrees, Aisha. Please let me just handle the heat, but not the same heat as you, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, but honestly, any of these signs, and we're not not saying, like, you know, if you really love your job and you really love the people, we're not saying don't plough through because if you feel like a job and if you feel like a team is worth ploughing through for, then you should be able to communicate any of these issues you're having with your managers and that should be able to be resolved. Exactly the same when it comes to something like a job title. I didn't say that very well. A change in job title or a change in role or a promotion or a raise. If you are working with the right team and in the right company, things like this should feel very natural to you. There should be a path already designated for you and you shouldn't feel scared. Okay, naturally, when you're younger, it's okay to feel a little bit nervous. I mean, asking for money isn't always, you know, most comfortable thing sometimes it's even a taboo thing we've spoken about this yeah money is a taboo subject most definitely especially uh especially when you are working for someone you don't want to go out and ask them for money it's just really awkward right however asking for a raise or a promotion is an extremely normal thing to do and if you are with a company and if you are being managed by a manager who knows how to manage people this should be quite a straightforward conversation unfortunately For me and for a lot of people that I know, managers aren't the nicest of people or they are not the most approachable of people. So it just makes this all the more harder. However, so um, I did a little bit of going on the internet and Googling before uh, before this podcast. And I actually came across a really, really interesting Forbes article where a lot of top employees and top managers had come together and actually collated a list of things to do when asking for a raise. And not only things to do, but things to do to be successful. Like managers and, and, and employees aren't stupid. Like they know that they know that at some point along the line there needs to be some kind of progression. That's how businesses work. That's how companies work. Of course. So if you feel like you are in a position where you deserve, and I'm not just saying like I yeah I need the money because my bills like no, <laughs> it's not if you need more money. If you genuinely feel like you deserve more money because of the additional roles you take on because of the additional responsibilities you take on then there is no harm and then there is no shame of of being paid for what you are doing and also like length of service as well I think is another important factor you know we were quite lucky our old company that the pay reviews kind of came every single year but that's not always the case no 
And to be honest, one of the things that they actually said is be aware of the timings slash be aware of the procedures of how the company pay ladder works, because a lot of companies will already have in place how often, like, for example, our old company, how often these pay reviews come about, the percentage increase, depending on your performance, things like that. A lot of places will already have these in place. And it's very, unfortunately, very difficult to defer from it. There are strict rules and procedures in place. We referred to this in one of our finance episodes about the beginning of the tax year. So yeah, I don't know if this is what is mentioned in the Forbes article, but something I read obviously said, make sure it's well within the tax year so not after April make sure it's well before April so appraisals tend to happen I would say October November December time so bear that in mind yeah definitely definitely well timing is something else that came up so be aware of the timing so for example yet the tax year but also like if you are you know if your company and you know your company is going through like a really bad phase or like they're letting a lot of people go don't ask for a raise if the company is struggling like, covid being a prime example yeah, yeah exactly like even though you may be taking on more work or taking on more responsibility that may be because something within the company's inner workings isn't going to plan so just kind of using a little bit of common sense just being aware of what's going on if your manager comes in in a really really bad mood probably delay the meeting that you want with them to you know not not that this should affect but we're all human beings or say if they've got a really really busy day maybe schedule it for a day that they're a little bit more relaxed you're a little bit more relaxed you're not rushing the meeting just using kind of a little bit of common sense within that as well and just go in really prepared so kind of have a list of your achievements have a list of everything that you've been doing really really shove your wins in their faces back it up with data yeah and make it really obvious that you're trying make it obvious that you've got goals that you want a future at this company because they will invest in you as an asset if they know they're going to get something out of it and unfortunately even though we are human beings we work in companies as assets we do the work we, we're the ones that, that turn the cogs and make the money. And that's how it works. And also we have to remember that our earnings are a cost to the business. So this is obviously something that's cropped up in our research for when we're planning for our business ventures. You know, if you are paying somebody's salary, it is a cost to the business. So it's not going to be jumping up and down to be able to give you that pay rise. It is really difficult for them because they're thinking, oh, what about how much of a, of a dip in the revenue is that going to cost me, etc. So they are thinking from a business perspective, which I completely appreciate. But also they need to realize from a, a higher management perspective, is it going to cost you more money to pay someone an extra couple of K, an extra couple of hundred a quarter? Or is it going to cost you more time over the long term in, in terms of training new staff because of lack of staff retention things like this they really need to have a balance between value and seeing the value of the employee and potentially paying them a little bit more or you know productivity motivation dipping dropping off because they're not paying you and then obviously staff turnover yeah and they and you have to be and you have to be 
your skills have to be valuable enough and you have to be doing enough for them to invest in it because they also then worry, unfortunately, again, because we're all humans, worry about, I don't know, the word spreading and then everyone asking for raises and it becoming a thing. You really, really, really need to show them that you are deserving of this and have everything ready and on the table. Like, don't be about the bush with it you know, be confident with it. I know it's really, really tough, especially when you are younger than a lot of the people there and you maybe feel like you don't have as much experience. Not having, you know, not being there for the amount of time, not having the experience doesn't mean you're not good at your job. And a lot of the time, people who are older and people who are there longer, they can get quite complacent and quite lazy in their roles. Oh, mate, I see that all the time. Yeah, you are fresh blood, you are fresh blood, you are coming with fresh perspective. And if you really, really show them that you want it and that you're working for it, honestly, you ask for a pay rise, you ask for a a change in title, you want to go up a notch, what is the absolute worst they're going to say? No, that's the absolute worst they're going to say. They're not going to fire you. To be honest, if any of my employees came up to me and asked me, I would I would be admiring them. Like, okay, she wants to go places. And if I didn't think she or he was ready, let's put a plan in place. Let's put, let's put a contingency plan in place. Let's put goals in place to make this happen. And if I see it happening, let's talk about it. And also go in with a figure in mind. Don't be wishy-washy. I think the average is kind of like a three to five percent. I think that's kind of, I don't think it's any more than 10%. So obviously don't push your luck with it. Go in with a figure. Do your research. Do your research and basically show them that you're serious about it. It's not just a, oh, my bills have increased, so I need more money kind of thing. Also compare it to other jobs in the job market is a really good tactic. Mm. So that's exactly what I did. I saw what I could be earning in another company for the same job oh, I'm actually doing probably double that amount of work. Let me see how much, you know, I'm not going to go, right, I'm actually doing two jobs that double my salary. That's ridiculous. I went in with X amount, like I should said, a certain percentage above what you're currently on, given the data, given the facts, and see the worst that could happen is that they would say no. But if you believe that you deserve the pay rise, they will as well. If you go in there going, um, I, I'm not sure if they don't see that you're confident about it. You're, you're, you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure. If you don't believe in it, how on earth are you going to convince somebody else? Yeah, definitely. And another thing as well is be really, really aware and watch how your manager responds to you. Because if they turn around and start being a complete... What was that, Aish? Oh my God, I just swore. Is that swearing? So if... <laughs> If they t- if they turn around and be a complete Whoa! <laughs> rolling them out today. If your manager turns around and is really horrible to you, is <laughs> really rude to you. <laughs> if he's so rude, what is oh, a PG Jesus. word? It's too late for this malarkey. Mate, this is podding. This is podding. We're doing well. We're doing well. If you're so, if if you're asking, be really, really aware of how your manager responds to you in this situation. If they are a good manager, if they have valued you from the get go, they will start putting things in place. If they don't think you're ready, they will be honest with you. They'll be honest with you about your goals and kind of the reality of the situation. 
if they don't do that and if they show the complete opposite reaction, it may be worth thinking about spreading your wings. What a compliment to the podcast, spreading your wings and potentially flying away. Pretty much. That was what I was going for. (laughs) I can say I've definitely been at the receiving end. So just to kind of give you a little bit of context, I did go in there with that. I'm going to go in with the data. I'm going to go in with, I deserve this, the confidence, etc. I'm going to be honest with you guys. That didn't happen in a particular job in the past. Okay. You go through the scenarios. So we've kind of been through the first two scenarios. Either you break, you crumble, you go, what is my value? What do I do? Where do I go next? If you're at that point where you are seeing a couple of red flags, you could obviously ask for that pay rise. And then if it doesn't go well, what is the next step? If that next step is to prove yourself, go for it. Okay. Like I just said, work with your manager to find out how you're going to prove yourself, what you need to do to be able to get that pay rise and have a time limit. When is that deadline going to be up for you to try and prove your worth? If you don't want to do that, if you feel... In my case, it was something a little bit bigger than me just proving my worth. I had already felt like I've proven my worth. We're not going to go into like the the nitty gritty details, but I thought that there was a wider issue in terms of higher management. The attitudes of the company were not going to change. So that's why I decided then was the right time to leave. So despite despite not really giving it a go, I honestly felt that no matter how fast I pedaled, I really couldn't see Mm. where this end was going to be. So that's when I kind of took the leap to get back out there, get on the job market Mm. and, and find something else. So something that my partner shared with me, that was a really great question that I thought, can I see myself progressing? He asked me, if you were to stay, pedal to the middle, what would be the next step for you? Can you see yourself being at that next step? Could you see yourself stepping into that next role, that next managerial role, whatever that next step would be? And my answer was no. Mm -hmm. So if it is a no, again, that's when you know it's time to leave. If the next step up isn't where you want to be, then why are you still there? If you feel like you've reached the top, if you feel like you've been belittled to the point where the attitude that's a big thing the attitudes of the company or the attitudes of that particular individual aren't going to change and have kind of been been this way historically you talk to other people that have been in the company for five six seven years if it's always been this way then I'd rather get out and make sure that I try and find my feet as quickly as possible somewhere else with the view of trying. I want to stay in a company for a long time. I don't want to jump ship, but you shouldn't also be penalized for jumping ship either. But just to be aware of, like I should said, just be aware of what's going on and just be aware of what that next step is going to be. Definitely don't sit there suffering silence. If you are going to do a move, whether it's, to a new job laterally or maybe go for a job that's slightly higher go for it like there's nothing there's nothing stopping you getting out there and we've done so many episodes on like interviews cvs like little job tips and like it's something that we definitely want to do another episode on as well in terms of 
getting yourself back on the horse, getting yourself out there and knowing when it is time to go. I kind of compare it in a way to like relationships, for example. If you were being treated so badly in a relationship, why would you stay? Why, like, you know, if you told your friends you were being treated badly in a relationship, they wouldn't tell you to stay. They would tell you to get away from that bleep, bleep, bleep and get out of there. You know what I mean? People are not also going to say, oh, why don't you stick out and see what happens? No, if you feel that terrible, if your your body fills with dread coming into work every day, if you don't know what's around the corner, if you feel that rubbish walking through those front doors in the morning, something has got to give. You have to go. But do not rush it. Definitely do, do your research. Do everything you would normally do. Remember that there, you were still getting paid. You were still, you know, you still have that job security, but maybe it is time to take the leap. Yeah. And quickly, before we wrap up, health is number one. No job, no industry, no office, no manager, no team is worth your physical and mental health. Like Ron said, everything is linked. If your mental health is suffering and you're not aware of it, there is something going on with your physical health that is triggering that so think of the long term think of yourself and also remember that companies do grow and companies do change people are coming and going so similarly with the ethics and whether they you know whether the values of the company align with you if they did when you first start but then a few years or a few months down the line someone comes in or something changes and they don't align anymore, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Companies do change. They do grow. And someone literally, one of my friends literally said to me today that the reason she's leaving is because she doesn't agree with the company anymore. And that's fine. So please, please be selfish because, I mean, something, I mean, I've spoken about my dad quite a bit on on this podcast. He always drops little pearls of wisdom but he always got me to think about the bigger picture and the fact that if something went wrong tomorrow with this company, they would drop you in the blink of a second. They would not think about you twice. You are just a cog in a machine. So you need to also remember that no matter how close you feel to this company and how much you think you're sacrificing, when push comes to shove, unfortunately, as the younger generation, as the young, as the ones with a little bit less experience, as the ones who are kind of fresh out of uni or first jobs, we unfortunately are the ones to go. So just remember that, be selfish, know your worth and your value, especially in the current times where the job market is steadily starting to improve, but obviously a lot of companies have suffered and it will still take a while to kind of get the ball rolling again. So we hope that episode really helped you guys out a lot. If you have any questions, please do let us know. Everything that we've spoken about in terms of the summary points we'll put in the description, but please reach out. We're going to be doing a lot more career episodes now that a lot of things are changing in both of our lives. So we're going to be talking about this as it happens. And as always, we want to keep you guys updated with our journeys. It's been a year now. You, Some of you guys have been listening to us for a whole year, so you deserve that. And it's really fun to be able to share it with you as well. So thank you so much for listening. And the only other thing I wanted to add, apart from obviously, like Aisha mentioned in the description, we read so many articles, so many great, great resources. We're going to definitely put them into the bio as well to make sure you guys have access. Do your research, read around it. Don't just obviously take our word for it. Read the data that's out there and 
see if you guys can come up with any good resources as well. We're always open to reading some of your suggestions as always. Yeah, and any success stories, anything you anything you think have helped, let us know because there's always someone somewhere who is struggling with this. So we hope that anyone listening who is in that situation doesn't feel so lonely. And please reach out because it is a tough situation. But anyway, hope you guys are keeping safe, keeping healthy. Please reach out, any questions, anything else that you want to let us know. And we will see you on the next episode, which is going to be another exciting one. So yeah, keep doing your thing and we'll see you soon. Laters, guys. Bye. Bye.